0: Welcome back to fast asleep listeners we hope you're here for the conclusion of the flannery o'connor story green leaf if you haven't already listen to episode 199 for part one of this story hey wait a minute that makes this episode number 200 hmm, that happened fast As of today, you now have 200 episodes filled with classic short stories. And we're really proud to provide you with them, so tell your friends. Okay, are you ready for the conclusion of our full of bull story? Remember, we promised you that this ending would be very dramatic, and we're not going to let you down. Okay, get yourself comfy. Tuck in. And enjoy the conclusion of Flannery O'Connor's Greenleaf. In half an hour from her front window, she saw the bull, squirrel-colored, with jutting hips and long, light horns, ambling down the dirt road that ran in front of the house. Mr. Greenleaf was behind him on the horse. Ah, yeah, that's a greenleaf bull if I ever saw one, she muttered. She went out on the porch and called, Put him where he can't get out. He likes to bust loose, Mr. Greenleaf said, looking with approval at the bull's rump. This gentleman's a sport. Mm. If those boys don't come for him... He's going to be a dead sport, she said. I'm just warning you. Now, he heard her, but he didn't answer. That's the awfulest looking bull I ever saw, she called. But he was too far down the road to hear. It was mid-morning when she turned into O.T. and E.T.'s driveway. The house, a new red brick low-to-the-ground building that looked like a warehouse with windows was on top of a treeless hill. The sun was beating down directly on the white roof of it. It was the kind of house that, well, everybody built now, and nothing marked it as belonging to green leaves, except Three dogs, part hound and part spitz, that rushed out from behind it as soon as she stopped her car. She reminded herself that you could always tell the class of people by the class of dog, and honked her horn. While she sat waiting for someone to come, she continued to study the house. All the windows were down, and she wondered if the government... Could have air conditioned the thing. No one came and she honked again. Presently a door opened and several children appeared in it, and she stood and they stood, looking at her, making no move to come forward. Ah she recognized this as a true green leaf trait. Why, they could hang in a door looking at you for hours. Can't one of you children come here? She called. After a minute, they all began to move forward slowly. They had on overalls and were barefooted, but they were not as dirty as she might have expected. There were two or three that looked distinctly like green leaves. The others, not so much so. The smallest child was a girl with untidy black hair. They stopped about six feet from the automobile and stood looking at her. You're mighty pretty, Mrs. May said, addressing herself to the smallest girl. There was no answer they appeared to share one dispassionate expression between them. Well, where's your mama? she asked. There was no answer to this for some time, and then one of them said something in French. Mrs. May did not speak French. Where's your daddy? she asked. Now, after a while, one of the boys said, "'He ain't here neither.' Mm, Mrs. May said, as if something had been proven. "'Well, then, where's the African-American man?' "'She waited and decided no one was going to answer. "'Well, the cat has six little tongues,' she said. "'How would you like to come home with me and let me teach you how to talk?' "'And then she laughed.' And her laugh died on the silent air. She felt as if she were on trial for her life, facing a jury of green leaves. Well, I'll just go down and see if I can find your African-American man, she said. You can go if you want to, one of the boys said. Oh, well, thank you, she murmured and drove off. Now, the barn was down the lane from the house. She had not seen it before, but Mr. Greenleaf had described it in detail, for it had been built according to the latest specifications. It was a milking parlor arrangement where the cows are milked from below. The milk ran in pipes from the machines to the milk house, "'and was never carried in no bucket,' Mr. Greenleaf had said. "'By no human hand. "'When you going to get your one?' he asked. "'Mr. Greenleaf,' she had said, "'I have to do for myself. "'I am not assisted hand and foot by the government. "'Why, it would cost me $20,000 to install a milking parlor "'I barely make ends meet, uh, as it, uh, is.' Well, my boy's done it,' Mr. Greenleaf had murmured, "'and then, but, uh, all boys ain't alike.' "'No, indeed,' she had said, "'and I thank God for that.' "'I thank God for everything,' Mr. Greenleaf had drawled. "'You might as well,' she had thought "'in the fierce silence that followed.' You've never done anything for yourself. Now she stopped by the side of the barn and honked, but no one appeared. For several minutes, she sat in the car, observing the various machines parked around, wondering how many of them were paid for. They had a forage harvester and a rotary hay baler. She had those, too. She decided that since no one was here, she would get out and have a look at the milking parlor and see if they kept it clean. She opened the milking room door and stuck her head in, and well, for the first second she felt as if she were going to lose her breath. The spotless, white, concrete room was filled with sunlight that came from a row of windows head-high along both walls. The metal stanchions gleamed ferociously. She had to squint (laughs) to be able to look at all. She drew her head out the room quickly and closed the door and leaned against it, frowning. The light outside was not so bright, but she was conscious that the sun was directly on top of her head like like a silver bullet ready to drop into her brain. An African-American, carrying a yellow calf-feed bucket, appeared from around the corner of the machine shed and came toward her. He was a light yellow boy, dressed in the cast-off army clothes of the Greenleaf Twins. He stopped at a respectable distance and set the bucket on the ground. "'Where's Mr. O.T. and Mr. E.T.?' she asked. Uh, "'Mr. O.T., he in town.' Mr. E.T., he off yonder in the field, the African-American said, pointing first to the left and then to the right, as if he were naming the position of two planets. Well, can you remember a message, she asked, looking as if she thought this doubtful. I'll remember it if I don't forget it, he said with a touch of sullenness. Well, uh... I'll write it down then, she said. She got in her car and took a stub of pencil from her pocketbook and began to write on the back of an empty envelope. The African American came and stood at the window. I'm Mrs. May, she said as she wrote. Their bull is on my place, and I want him off today. You can tell them I'm furious about it. Oh, that bull left here Saturday, the African-American said, and none of us ain't seen him since. We ain't knowed where he was. (laughs) Well, you know now, she said, and you can tell Mr. O.T. and Mr. E.T. that if they don't come and get him today, I'm going to have their daddy shoot him the first thing in the morning. I can't have that bull ruining my herd. She handed him the note. "'Well, if I knows Mr. O.T. and Mr. E.T., "'he said, taking it, "'they're going to say you go on ahead and shoot him. "'He done busted up one of our trucks already, "'and oh, we'd be glad to see the last of him.' "'Oh, she pulled her head back and gave him a look "'from slightly bleared eyes. "'Do they expect me?' To take my time and my worker to shoot their bull, she asked. They don't want him, so they just let him loose and expect somebody else to kill him? He's eaten my oats and ruining my herd, and I'm expected to shoot him, too. Mm. I spec you is, he said softly. He done busted up. Oh, she gave him a very sharp look and said, Well, I'm not surprised. That's just the way some people are. And after a second, she asked, Which is boss? Mr. O.T. or Mr. E.T.? She had always suspected that they fought between themselves secretly. Oh, they never quarrels, the boy said. They like one man in two skins. <laughs> Well, I expect you just never heard them quarrel. Nor nobody else heard them neither, he said, looking away as if this insolence were addressed to someone else. Well, she said, I haven't put up with their father for 15 years not to know a few things about Greenleaf's. The African-American looked at her suddenly with a gleam of of recognition is you my policy man's mother he asked Uh. I don't know who your policy man is she said sharply you give them that note and tell them if they don't come for that bull today they'll be making their father shoot it tomorrow and she drove off she stayed at home all afternoon, waiting for the Greenleaf twins to come for the bull. They did not come. Hmm, I might as well be working for them, she thought furiously. They are simply going to use me to the limit. At the supper table, she went over it again, for the boys' benefit, because, well, she wanted them to see exactly what O.T. and E.T. would do. They don't want that bull, she said. Pass the butter. So they simply turn him loose and let somebody else worry about getting rid of him for them. How do you like that? I'm the victim. I've always, always been the victim. Oh, pass the butter to the victim, Wesley said. Oh, he was in a worse humor than usual because he had had a flat tire on the way home from the university. Schofield handed her the butter and said, Why, Mama, ain't you ashamed to shoot an old bull that ain't done nothing, but give you a little scrub strain in your herd? I declare, he said. Well, with the mama I got, why, it's a wonder I turned out to be such a nice boy. You ain't her boy, son, Wesley said. She eased back in her chair, her fingertips on the edge of the table. All I know is, Schofield said, I done mighty well to be as nice as I am seeing what I come from. Oh, well, when they teased her. They spoke Greenleaf English. But now Wesley made his own particular tone come through it like a knife edge. Well, let me tell you one thing, brother, he said leaning over the table, that if you had half a mind, you would already know. What's that, brother? Schofield asked, his broad face grinning into the thin, constricted one across from him. That is, Wesley said, that neither you nor me is her boy. But he stopped abruptly as she gave a kind of hoarse wheeze, like an old horse lashed unexpectedly. She reared up and ran from the room. Oh, for God's sake, Wesley growled. What did you start her off for? I never started her off. Schofield said. You started her off. Ha! You know she's not as young as she used to be, and, well, she just can't take it. That's true. She can only give it out, Wesley said. I'm the one that takes it. His brother's pleasant face had changed so that an ugly family resemblance showed between them. Nobody feels sorry for a lousy bastard like you, he said. And then he grabbed across the table for the other's shirt front. From her room, she heard a crash of dishes, and she rushed back through the kitchen into the dining room. The hall door was open, and Schofield was going out of it, and Wesley was lying like a large bug on his back with the edge of the overturned table cutting him across the middle and broken dishes scattered on top of him. She pulled the table off him and caught his arm to help him rise, but he scrambled up and pushed her off with a furious charge of energy and flung himself out of the door after his brother. Well, she would have collapsed, but a knock on the back door stiffened her, and she swung around. Across the kitchen and back porch, she could see Mr. Greenleaf peering eagerly through the screen wire. All her resources returned in full strength. "'as if she only needed to be challenged by the devil himself to regain them. "'I heard a thump,' he called, "'and I thought the plastering might have fell on you. "'If he had been wanted, "'someone would have had to go on a horse to find him. Mm. "'She crossed the kitchen and the porch "'and stood inside the screen and said, "'No,' Nothing happened. Oh, but the table turned over. One of the legs was weak. And then without pausing, the boys didn't come for the bull. So, tomorrow, you'll have to shoot him. The sky was crossed with thin red and purple bars. And behind them, the sun was moving down slowly as if it were descending a ladder. Mr. Greenleaf squatted down on the step, his back to her, the top of his hat on a level with her feet. "'Well, tomorrow I'll drive him home for you,' he said. "'Oh, (laughs) no, Mr. Greenleaf,' she said in a mocking voice. "'You drive him home tomorrow?' And next week, he'll be back here. I know better than that. And then in a mournful tone, she said, I'm surprised at O.T. and E.T. to treat me this way. I thought, I thought they'd have more gratitude. Why, those boys spent some mighty happy days on this place. Didn't they, Mr. Greenleaf? Mr. Greenleaf, didn't say anything. I think they did, she said. I think they did. But they've forgotten all the nice little things I did for them now. Well, if I recall, they, they wore my boy's old clothes and played with my boy's old toys and hunted with my boy's old guns while they swam in my pond and they "'shot my birds, and they fished in my stream, "'and I never forgot their birthday. "'Oh, and Christmas seemed to roll around very often, "'if, well, if I remember it right. "'And do they think of any of those things now?' "'She asked. "'No, oh,' she said. "'After a few seconds, she looked at the disappearing sun,' Mr. Greenleaf examined the palms of his hands. Presently, as if it had just occurred to her, she asked, Do you know the real reason they didn't come for that bull? No, I don't, Mr. Greenleaf said in a surly voice. They didn't come because I'm a woman, she said. You can get away with anything when you're dealing with a woman. Now, if there was a man running this place... "'Quick as a snake, striking,' Mr. Greenleaf said, "'Well, you got two boys. "'They know. You got two men on the place.' "'The sun had disappeared behind the tree line. "'She looked down at the crafty face, upturned now, "'and at the wary eyes, bright under the shadow of the hat-brim. "'She waited long enough for him to see that she was hurt.' And then she said, some people learn gratitude too late. Mr. Greenleaf, that's true. And some never learn it at all. And then she turned and she left him sitting on the steps. Half the night, in her sleep, she heard a sound as if some large stone were grinding a hole on the outside wall of her brain. She was walking on the inside over a succession of beautiful rolling hills, planting her stick in front of each step She became aware after a time that the noise was the sun trying to burn through the tree line, and she stopped to watch, safe in the knowledge that it couldn't, that it it had to sink the way it always did outside of her property. When she first stopped, it was a swollen red ball, but as she stood watching, it "'began to narrow and pale "'until, well, it it looked like a bullet. "'And then, suddenly, it burst through the tree line "'and raced down the hill toward her. "'She woke up with her hand over her mouth "'and the same noise, diminished but distinct, in her ear. "'Oh, it was the bull,' munching under her window. Mr. Greenleaf had let him out. Well, she got up and made her way to the window in the dark and looked out through the slit blind, but the bull had moved away from the hedge, and at first she didn't see him, and then uh, she saw a heavy form some distance away, paused as if observing her. This is the last night I am going to put up with this, she said, and watched until the iron shadow moved away in the darkness. The next morning, she waited until exactly 11 o'clock, and then she got in her car and drove to the barn. Mr. Greenleaf was Cleaning milk cans. He had seven of them standing up outside the milk room to get the sun. She had been telling him to do this for two weeks. All right, Mr. Greenleaf, she said, go get your gun. We're going to shoot that bull. Oh, well, I thought, I thought you wanted these here cans. Go get your gun, Mr. Greenleaf, she said. Her voice and face were expressionless. "'Well, that gentleman tore out of here last night,' he murmured in a tone of regret and bent again to the can he had his arm in. "'Go get your gun, Mr. Greenleaf,' she said in that same triumphant, toneless voice. "'The bull is in the pasture with the dry cows. "'I saw him from my upstairs window. "'I'm going to drive you up to the field, "'and you can run him into the empty pasture and shoot him there.' He detached himself from the can, slowly. Ain't nobody ever asked me to shoot my boy's own bull, he said in a high, rasping voice. He removed a rag from his back pocket and began to wipe his hands violently, and then his nose. She turned as if she had not heard this and said, I'll wait for you in the car. Go get your gun. She sat in the car and watched him stalk off toward the harness room where he kept a gun. After he had entered the room, there was a crash, as if he had kicked something out of the way. Presently, he emerged again with the gun, circled behind the car, opened the door, violently and threw himself onto the seat beside her he held the gun between his knees and looked straight ahead mm, he liked to shoot me instead of the bull she thought and turned her face away so that he could not see her smile mm, the morning was dry and clear She drove through the woods for a quarter of a mile and then out into the open where there were fields on either side of the narrow road. Ah, the exhilaration of carrying her point had sharpened her senses. Why, the birds were screaming everywhere. The grass was almost too bright to look at. The sky was an even, piercing blue. Ah, spring is here. She said gaily. Mr. Greenleaf lifted one muscle somewhere near his mouth as if he found this the most asinine remark ever made. When she stopped at the second pasture gate, he flung himself out of the car door and slammed it behind him. And then he opened the gate and she drove through. He closed it and flung himself back in, silently, and she drove around the rim of the pasture until she spotted the bull almost in the center of it, grazing peacefully among the cows. The uh, gentleman is waiting on you, she said, and gave Mr. Greenleaf's furious profile a sly look you run him into that next pasture and when you get him in I'll drive in behind you and shut the gate myself he flung himself out again this time deliberately leaving the car door open so that well, she had to lean across the seat and close it she sat smiling as she watched him make his way across the pasture toward the opposite gate He seemed to throw himself forward at each step and then pull back as if he were calling on some power to witness that he was being forced. Well, she said aloud as if he were still in the car. It's your own boys who are making you do this, Mr. Greenleaf. O.T. and E.T. were probably splitting their sides laughing at him right now. She could hear their identical nasal voices saying, May Daddy shoot our bull for us. Daddy don't know no better than to think that he's a fine bull he's shooting. Gonna kill Daddy to shoot that bull. Yep, if those boys cared a thing about you, Mr. Greenleaf, she said. They would have come for that bull. I'm surprised at them. He was circling around to open the gate first. The bull, dark among the spotted cows, had not moved. He kept his head down, eating constantly. Mr. Greenleaf opened the gate and then began circling back to approach him from the rear. When he was about... Ten feet behind him, he flapped his arms at his sides. The bull lifted his head indolently and then lowered it again and continued to eat. Mr. Greenleaf stooped again and picked up something and threw it at him with a vicious swing. She decided it was a sharp rock, for the bull leapt and then began to gallop until... He disappeared over the rim of the hill. Mr. Greenleaf followed at his leisure. You needn't think you're going to lose him, she cried, and started the car straight across the pasture. She had to drive slowly over the terraces, and when she reached the gate, uh, Mr. Mr. Greenleaf and the bull were nowhere in sight. Now, this pasture was smaller than the last, a green arena encircled almost entirely by woods. She got out and closed the gate and stood looking for some sign of Mr. Greenleaf, but he had disappeared completely. She knew at once that his plan was to lose the bull in the woods, and eventually she would see him emerge somewhere from the circle of trees and come limping toward her and when he finally reached her he would say if you can find that gentleman in them woods well you're better than me and she was going to say mr greenleaf If I have to walk into those woods with you and stay all afternoon, we are going to find that bull and shoot him. You are going to shoot him if I have to pull the trigger for you. When he saw she meant business, uh he would return and shoot the bull quickly himself. She got back into the car and drove to the center of the pasture where he would not have so far to walk to reach her when he came out of the woods. At this moment she could picture him sitting on a stump marking lines in the ground with a stick. Well she decided she would wait exactly 10 minutes by her watch and then she would begin to honk. She got out of the car walked around a little and then she sat down on the front bumper to wait and rest. She was very tired and she lay her head back against the hood and closed her eyes. She did not understand why she should be so tired when it was only mid-morning. Through her closed eyes, she could feel the sun red-hot overhead. She opened her eyes slightly, but the white light forced her to close them again. For some time, she lay back against that hood, wondering drowsily why... She was so tired. With her eyes closed, she didn't think of time as divided into days and nights, but into past and future. Well, she decided she was tired because she had been working continuously for 15 years. She decided she had every right to be tired, and to rest for a few minutes before she began working again. Before any kind of judgment seat, she would be able to say, I've worked. I have not wallowed. At this very instant, while she was recalling a lifetime of work, Mr. Greenleaf was loitering in the woods. Oh, and Mrs. Greenleaf was probably flat on the ground asleep over her hole full of clippings. The woman had got worse over the years, and Mrs. May believed that now she was actually demented. I'm afraid your wife has let religion warp her, she said once tactfully to Mr. Greenleaf. Everything in moderation, you know. "'Well, she cured a man once that half his gut was eat out with worms,' Mr. Greenleaf said. "'Oh, and she had turned away, half-sickened. "'Poor souls,' she thought now. "'So simple.' "'For a few seconds, she dozed. "'When she sat up and looked at her watch, more than ten minutes had passed.' She had not heard any shot. A new thought occurred to her. Oh, suppose Mr. Greenleaf had aroused the bull, chunking stones at him, and the animal had turned on him and run him up against a tree and gored him. Oh, the irony of it deepened. O.T. and E.T., why, they would... Get a shyster lawyer and sue her. Hmm. It would be the fitting end 15 years with the Greenleafs. She thought of it almost with pleasure. As if she'd hit on the perfect ending for a story she was telling her friends. <laughs> and then she dropped it for Mr. Greenleaf had a gun. He had a gun with him and, well, she had insurance. She decided to honk. She got up and reached inside the car window and gave three sustained honks and two or three shorter ones to let him know she was getting impatient. And then she went back and sat down on the bumper again. Well, in a few minutes, something emerged from the tree line. A black, heavy shadow that tossed its head several times and then bounded forward. Well, after a second, she saw it was the bull. He was crossing the pasture toward her at a slow gallop, a gay, almost rocking gait, as if he were overjoyed to find her again. Well, she looked beyond him to see if Mr. Greenleaf was coming out of the woods, too, but he was not. Here he is, Mr. Greenleaf, she called and looked on the other side of the pasture to see if he could be coming out there, but he was not in sight. Well, she looked back and she saw that the bull, his head lowered was racing toward her. Well, she remained perfectly still, not in fright, but in a freezing unbelief. Was well, she stared at the violent black streak bounding toward her as if she had no sense of distance, as if she could not decide at once what his intention was. And the bull had buried his head in her lap like a wild, tormented lover before her expression changed. One of his horns sank until it pierced her heart and the other curved around her side and held her in an unbreakable grip. She continued to stare straight ahead, but the entire scene in front of her had changed. The tree line was a dark wound in a world that was nothing but sky. And she had the look of a person whose sight "'has been suddenly restored, "'but who finds the light unbearable. "'Mr. Greenleaf was running toward her "'from the side with his gun raised, "'and she saw him coming, "'though she was not looking in his direction. "'She saw him approaching on the outside "'of some invisible circle, "'the tree line gaping behind him "'and nothing under his feet.' Well, he shot the bull four times through the eye. She did not hear the shots, but she felt the quake in the huge body as it sank, pulling her forward on its head so that, well, she seemed, when Mr. Greenleaf reached her, to be bent over, whispering some last discovery into the animal's ear. Good night.